for 11 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. And it's a big ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays from all of us at Rosie on the House to all of you, the Arizona homeowners. Thank you for joining us, our holiday season special edition of Rosie on the House. And boy, one of the things I want to jump to first in this holiday season is a quick couple things of things to do. Have you seen the Arizona State Fair has a ho-ho holiday drive through fair food festival? It's December 10th through the 13th as well as the 17th through the 20th. Now, you can take a taste of the fair right in the safety of your own car. So just think about it. Pull it in the little minivan with all the kids in the back down at the Arizona State Fairgrounds. You're going to pull in there, and you're going to get yourself some cotton candy, and you're going to get yourself some corn dogs, and you're going to get yourself some fried pickles, and you're going to get yourself something new this year, fried eggnog and you're going to load everybody up with this stuff and then you're going to go and you're going to do an internet search for free holiday light displays around Maricopa County. There are plenty of them and you are going to drive around your little minivan with all them happy kids eating all them corn dogs and that cotton candy and you are going to see an absolutely fabulous display of great holiday Arizona lights. Now, that could be a whole new tradition right here in Arizona. And if you want to go across Arizona, don't forget Prescott, Arizona's official Christmas city, the Courthouse Square, Williams, the Polar Express. Out in Prescott Valley, you can always do the Fane Park drive through light display. In Sedona, at Tlacopaki, it's the Sweet Walks. Verde Ra- the Verde Valley Railroad does magical Christmas journey from Clarksdale. Boat Parade at Lake Havasu. Oh, man, how can you beat it? And then there's the Luminaria Walk in Flagstaff. Now, look, we've had a lot to do this year. And this year, we've had a lot of shows on cleanliness. In particular, a next level of cleanliness in, about, and around your house. We did a show with Hospitality BioClean talking about actually turning a surgical room standard of cleanliness and accomplishing that through your whole house. We talked about decluttering and getting organized with getting organized with Bridges and Company. And we talked about whole house air purification. This is an item that actually goes into your existing ductwork. We call them air scrubbers. They get installed. They use ultraviolet light. And they literally purify the air being distributed throughout your house. And then the purified air purifies all the surfaces it comes in contact with. The carpet, the countertops, the furniture, the cabinets, the floor covering, everything. So I want to dive a little bit deeper in this particular segment on that particular component. Because you install it. And you forget about it. It's literally a nearly maintenance-free fixture that installs in your ductwork. Install it and be rest assured the home air you're breathing is purified. Join me now for a conversation with Jeff Carmichael of Rias. 
air purification. Um, big, as, a big interest in pur- air purification. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, different solutions to keep that indoor air as clean as possible during a time like this. What are the stages for that? Typically, I'll tell people, uh, you know, let's replace the spun fiberglass filter. Yeah, with a one-inch paper pleated filter. Yep. But that's not doing anything biologically. Correct. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we do want to stress the importance of uh, changing our filter every month. Um, but that's going to block the you know the transfer of the dust and the dirt and the debris and the pet hair from getting into the air conditioning system, clogging up the air conditioning system, and internally just going back and recycling through your house. Okay. Now take me take me up the ladder from that that spun fiberglass. Mm-hmm. The one-inch paper pleated. Now, take me all the way to the top of the ladder, a sterile operating room. Right. So we For want, air quality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we use a product called an air scrubber. And um, basically, that's get, it gets installed into the air conditioning unit, uh, the air handler, or into your furnace. Um, even if you have a roof-mounted unit, uh, we put it, um, we install them on those as well. Um, it basically has a UV light uh, and it has what's called active pure technology. Um, but it basically is a UV light um, that has a proprietary catalytic, catalytic process that creates oxygen and hydrogen inside uh, your home. Um, so the clean air that is outside, um, we introduce that environment inside. Um, so as the air uh, from your air conditioning system passes across that, it purifies it for um, all your um, germicides, uh, bacteria that lives on surfaces inside your house, um, odors. Pet- so if I've had a guest come in and sit at my coffee table sure. who unknowingly was carrying something sure, and left a microbial trace of that something yep. on the table, this air sanitizes this that. air scrubber will sanitize that surface. That's correct. So we've seen obviously an influx and um, well, demand mean, for that yeah, product. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I imagine you are. Um, well, how, how hateful is that to get installed? It's it's actually really um, it's not very time consuming. It takes my technicians about an hour and a half to two hours uh, to install it. Okay. Um, so, Romy, you have a question. <laughs> You say it takes Romy's an hour pointing. and a half to two hours? <laughs> yes. Yeah, once your technician gets there. How far are bucked out are your technicians? Right, right. <laughs> well, and that's kind of an interesting uh, – uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Romy. Um, our kind of thinking was how do we help our customers? How do we help our business? Um, and part of that was creating an offer um, that – you know, we had a, a low profit, but uh, intention to keep our guys, you know, busy. So our, yeah. our employees are um, how much able to provide got, for how their How much have you got and, invested in every employee? Yeah. I mean, it's oh my thousands, gosh. tens of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. In training and yep. systems. and Yeah, so we can't just, we, we recognize that we can't just be staying at home. Um, so we've taken the necessary precautions though for our technicians and how they're um, introducing to our homeowners. Uh, we... In our trade, you know, we wear gloves or sterile gloves. We wear uh, respirators. Um, we, you know, have eye protection. Those are kind of standard for us. Um, so, you know, our technicians might look a little scary approaching our homeowners' homes. Um, <laughs> but 
they're keeping themselves safe, keeping our customers safe, obviously. And I think, um, you know, in this time, we're able to provide our services to our homeowners um, in the most kind of sterile environment, if you will. And and I was not aware that we had a product we could install in the ductwork that would actually sanitize the surfaces in the house. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Okay. When you have the sanitizer in your air ducts, do you uh, – because, like, right now, I haven't turned my AC on in a while. Sure. Do, do you have to turn the AC on them? Or does it work by itself? No. So that great, great question, Gary. Um, we do need the air conditioning system on, but in a time like right now, where um, you know it, we're not demand for cooling, we're not in demand for heating. Um, you can simply turn your fan to on. Okay. And then right. that will engage, and then uh, transfer that that air purified. Um, product throughout the house so the fan yeah that makes sense and this is this is a uv light that's installed in the ductwork now this came out a decade or more ago yeah and it act the uv light actually it was killed (laughs) some of the air conditioning equipment yeah it was disintegrating we had to to learn how to install it yep so after yeah so we've come a long way since then um the uv light isn't uh, shining directly onto the coil to disintegrate or cause any issues um, along those lines. There's a shielded protection um, to uh, protect the air conditioning system. So, if anything, it's it's uh, prolonging. It helps to prolong the life and efficiency of your air conditioning system because it is killing the dust and all the contaminants that get onto the coil and essentially reduce your energy efficiency. Is it a big power drain? Is it expensive to run? No, it. Uh, uses about uh, 14 to 16 watts. Um, oh, so, wow. Yeah, it, it's really minimal impact. So especially, like we mentioned, a time like right now where we're not in heating or cooling demand, simply running your fan is also a low power consumption. So running your fan with uh, the air purifier energized, uh, you're you're not going to notice a, a spike or any harm on your utility bill for that matter. Okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit. Because I've heard these being advertised the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, um, this might be a place you considerably overspend out of a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Rosie on the House listeners can underspend and get the same level of protection. It's a great product. We love it. Um, and. This isn't a product that we are pitching uh, or promoting now. Uh, this is a product that we recommend um, for the past several years yeah. uh, to our customers. It's it's a it's just a great product to have, um, considering how much people uh, spend on air purifiers for their houses. You know, at Home Depot or Lowe's that purify one room of their home, <laughs> and how much maintenance and how much. Um, you know, routine items that go into that one single product that costs us several hundred dollars well, uh, to have your whole house purified with one one simple unit is pretty incredible. Is there any units these can't go on to? So we had Cheryl call earlier and she mm-hmm. said, I replaced a 30-year-old unit. Yeah. I see a lot of people using this as a foot-in-the-door tactic to go sell them a $30,000 air conditioning unit. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, is, is there any, like if I come out and you're like, you know, Hey, I've got this 30-year-old air conditioner, but yeah. it's still working and I don't <laughs> want to replace it. Can I add it to that? <laughs> we have not seen a unit that we can't install it on yet. Yeah, it's it's not working in conjunction with your air conditioning unit. It's simply just wired to it. Um, so yeah, it's not um, it there there's no potential for risk by installing one to an older unit. 
Man, I can't thank you enough in this time to come on and, and share that with our listeners. And to me, again, the incredible thing to me, I knew it purified air. I did not know it purified surfaces. This is how Rosie on the House becomes every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Next year, 2021, may include a home improvement project for you. Boy, kitchens and baths remain the hot item right now. But I have to tell you, homeschool areas and home office rooms are soaring. I mean, they are soaring. So take it from me. Do your homework ahead of time. If it requires a permit, get the permit. That's not as intimidating as you fear. It, it, it is absolutely the number one most important step. Let's get it permitted, and then let's get it done by a licensed, bonded, insured contractor for your family safety and the security of your home, okay? So on the issue of permits and, and, and to eliminate your fear from getting one, we'd like to bring in one of our special guests and to talk about that. We've brought Lauren Green in from Green's Home Design. Before you start thinking too much or too long about any one project, be committed to doing it rosy right, and that's going to involve getting a permit. If you do something and add on, the insurance company won't cover the value of that uh, addition. Without a permit. And then when you might have problems when you go to sell a house if you don't get a permit on that addition. And then building permit records are kept at the building department. You call and give the address and say, I want to know if any building permit was ever pulled on this address. You're familiar with the SPUDS report, right? Question 150 that you must answer when you list your home. Was all work completed at the home done with a building permit? And I think I'm like on a one-man campaign to get realtors to push for this. They really objected to home inspections when they started. And then they got on board and they said, this is the best thing since sliced bread for us. Home inspectors ought to be giving analysis and opinions. Is this original? There was a period of time where I had a home inspector's license and uh, I could tell right away if if it wasn't permitted because something was done wrong. But let's talk a little bit about in a pulling a permit, Lauren. There's really two different perspectives. It's a whole lot different pulling a permit for work inside the house where you're not going to change the footprint at all. You may have a structural thing or two to address, but you pull a general permit for plumbing and electric, a little engineering if you're changing the load bearing. Interior permits are a snap. Yeah, a lot of them you can get the same day. But when you're changing the footprint of the house... um... Then once we go outside, it changes everything. I mean, we can get bathroom remodeling permits online in 10 minutes with most of the cities and all they want is an electrical and plumbing permit but you can't go in and remodel a bathroom without an electrical and plumbing permit and there are some of these speedy bathroom remodeling companies that advertise bathrooms in a day you really can't do a bathroom in a day the minute you say i want to go outside the footprint of my house what are they going to be asked at the city well the first thing is the setbacks I went to a job yesterday. The house was facing west, but their street is on the south side. And so they're in the county, and the front of the house is (laughs) south, and the back of the house is north, even though the house faces west. Right, right. And so they wanted to add a bedroom 
to the north, but they were already at their setback on the north. Um, so we had to rethink and, and go to the east with their bedroom addition. So you want to find out what those setbacks are. Not only is every city different, but every zoning classification in every city is different. Yes. Lot size has a lot to do with determining what side yard setbacks are. And if you're in an area that doesn't have sewer, you have to deal with the septic as well. Um, septics have to be 10 feet from all the buildings, even the addition. On that septic, does that include like a, a patio deck? Yes, 10 feet from the tank and from the leach field. You can put your driveway over the tank if it's reinforced properly, but you cannot put the concrete over the leach field. If you want to get to your detached garage over the leach field, don't put the concrete over the leach field because the leach field needs evaporation uh, to work properly. Um, Setbacks surprise a lot of homeowners. Yeah, so I had a client that he went and asked the county, how close can my garage be to the property line? And they said five feet. He attached the garage to his house. Now it's part of the main house. Now it has to meet the regular building setbacks, not the detached accessory building setbacks, which are different. Define the word setback. Basically, the distance the building has to be away from the property line, Uh, not the street. The street is never exactly where the property line is, or the fence may not be on the property line, but where your property line is. So you'll have front and side setbacks, and then you'll have height restrictions as well. What would a homeowner expect out of a, a remodel design? What's included in that? Typically, a set of plans would include a site plan, and then a foundation plan, a floor plan, a roof framing plan, two cross sections, electrical, mechanical, plumbing, and structural connection details. So that's a typical set of plans. Um, Now, if you have to deal with an HOA, there might be some others required. Engineering. Um, Right, engineering. Typically, um, you will need a structural engineer if anything in the home spans more than 20 feet. So if you're adding new trusses, the trust company provides engineering for those trusses. If your new beam is going to be longer than 20 feet, the engineer has to put his stamp of approval on the size of that beam and provide some calculations. A drainage plan, you'll need a civil engineer. Have a big enough house and you want to upgrade to a 600-amp panel, you'll probably need an electrical engineer. Lauren, again, thanks for joining us here at Rosedale House. Lauren Green of Green's Home Design. You can find him at rosyonthehouse.com under uh, contractor selection just look under architectural and drafting services well at the end of every year you know you've always got your your tax planning to do well let me bend the ear of you successful contractors that have been busy this year Get over to Sanderson Ford and exercise your Section 179 and buy yourself one of them brand new F-150s. It is the rave of the land right now. Uh, Detroit News says it is a home run. So check it out. But for you homeowners, there are other things you want to consider, too, about year-end conditions. A lot of the federal solar tax incentives and rebates are being downscaled. But I don't want you all to think that the downscaling of these credits makes solar completely infeasible at your home because it's not. It's something you definitely should consider. Just because the tax credits are fading away doesn't mean you shouldn't explore the option of going 
solar, all right? It's a responsible thing to do. Going solar protects you from price increases for now until forever, right? If nothing else, it protects you from all the price increases. So to discuss that, we're going to bring in Mr. Kyle Ritland of Sun Valley Solar Solutions to talk about what does next year in solar look like? provide people with the opportunity to look at incentives, you know, the real incentives that are out there and available today. And there's some really good ones. I mean, from battery incentives to the um, federal tax credit, it's worth reminding people that the federal tax credit is going to drop at the end of this year. So it, uh, it's currently at 26%. So if you buy a solar energy system, uh, you can, uh, um, uh, on your taxes for the year that it's installed, you can claim 26% tax credit. Um, there's also some other incentives out there in Arizona for batteries and things like that. The easiest thing to do if you want to learn the incentives is you can go play with the estimator tool we talked about at sunvalleysolar.com forward slash savings, or you can just give us a call 480-689-5000, and we're more than happy to sort of walk you through what's out there. But the 26% will drop at the end of this year to 22% for next year, and then it will be gone after that. Um, uh, So it's really advantageous if you've been curious about solar um, and what that can do for you uh, to spend a few minutes looking at what the options are now so that you can take advantage of those before they're gone. And I'm excited because there's an old saying in the, the desert, you know, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. And we've got, we're on a shared well and we've got a, a water issue we've been in the process of resolving that looks like we're going to be done this month. And we've just been saving all the things that we're getting done around our house or that we have until this issue is resolved. And, you know, our vision, and we've talked about it with you, Kyle, is solar because we've got plans for the home and because it's going to need a new roof in the next 10 years. Um, And we've got horse stalls to build out that the cover for the horse stalls are going to be the solar panels. So we've Mm. got them there indefinitely and we don't have to worry about what we're going to do on the home later. Yeah. That's becoming more common where people are doing, add-ons to the house and they're doing solar at the same time or they're doing um, parking shade structures or carports or uh, you know that sort of thing and they see that as an opportunity to just build the solar into the to the construction of the new building rather than put it on their rooftop so yeah we see that from time to time but the vast majority of people prefer to put it on their rooftop and, you know, the good news is that we have a lot of sun here in Arizona. So, so long as you have the available roof space and you've got a healthy roof uh, and we can we can look at that for you. We can also connect you with roofers if you want a, uh, an independent assessment. Most of the time, roofers will give you an assessment for for free. Um, uh, so we can do either or both. Um, but, yeah, as long as you've got a clear roof with lots of sun and not big trees shading it, um, there's a good chance that you would be able to to make a lot of money with solar or save a lot of money with solar, I should say. And how does orientation work if you, the majority of your usable roof space is facing north? So south is the best direction for maximum um sun capture here in Arizona. West is is good too. Um, um, so southwest is really the best. That doesn't mean that if you have a north-facing roof, you can't benefit from solar. 
Um, but the calculation is going to be a little bit different if you've got the panels on the north because it gets slightly less exposure. So um, that's part of what we do when we sit down and we do a, a, an assessment. So again, if you were to go to the tool um, that we talked about at sunvalleysolar.com uh, savings slash savings, that takes um, some assumptions into account in order to be able to get you to a, a price and a savings point relatively quickly. And those assumptions, um, again, are based off of 8,000 installs. This right. isn't it's just based off of real data, but we have had to take and, and put a few assumptions in there in order to make that easy. Now, when we sit down and we do an actual calculation at, at, at the house, if you decide to proceed with that, we'll refine that number um, and get you to something that's much more specific to your rooftop. And we can do that on any type of roof. Um, usually over the phone, we can get a pretty good idea of, of what that is, even by just looking at the the Google view of your roof. Now, Kyle, ta- Kyle these uh, tax incentives are pretty substantial. I mean, they're, they're tax credits that could cover one-fourth of the cost. Now, let me ask you, at, at my house... Um, y'all's prepackaged plan indicated that I needed the extra large. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you've priced it on the calculating tool as a per month expense. What do I get to take as a tax credit? Just my per monthly expense in the payment plan or the total mm-hmm. purchase price of the, of the system? The total purchase price of the system. So the payments that you see in the tool are post-tax incentive, right? Got so it. Okay. what we're assuming you're going to do is you're going to you're going to make the purchase, and in that first year you're going to claim the full twenty-six percent, and then the, the the balance on that, if you will, is what we've factored into the pricing component. Now, with that being said, um, you can stretch out that that tax credit. I think over five years, if I remember correctly. Um, and I'm not an accountant, so I always tell people to talk to their accountant to get the real numbers. But um, you can stretch it out, or you can take it all in the first year. Um, Interesting. And there are, there are other financing packages. So again, the tool includes a very specific financing package. If you wanted to explore other financing options, or even just a cash purchase price, we can put all of those on the table as well, and we can have that conversation. But we would want to do that on a case-by-case basis and, you know, look at, you know, each customer distinctly and, and figure out where they're most comfortable. Now, in this month of May, we've been talking to people about making sure their homes are prepared uh, for the oncoming summer, where they're having mm-hmm. to, you know, they're having to deal with the highest electric bills they have all year, generally speaking, for the homes located on the desert floor. And we tell people one of the things we've told them for years is uh, go ahead and take the courageous step to step into time of use power consumption. Don't be on Mm -hmm. the standard rate. Now, it seems to me solar is producing most of its juice during the on-peak hours. So your, your house is basically sleeping as far as the utility company is concerned during those on-peak periods. This is a great way when you do have to buy from the power company, you're buying at one-third or one-fourth the price in the evenings and the nights with the off-peak rates. 
That's right. That's right. So at the at the top of the hour, we talked about, you know, solar is still plugged into the grid. So um, one of the things that we look at is that your solar panels are producing energy. So they're offsetting what you have to purchase from the utility. To your point, that's occurring um, during the day when the utility prices are generally at their highest. Yeah. Um, in the evening time, your utility costs drop dramatically, um, depending on your utility. That's either seven or eight o'clock in the evening. Um, so you can pull from the grid during that time, and that's not going to be anywhere near as costly as the energy that you would have to buy during the day. So, yeah, so what the solar panels are doing, they're offsetting your more expensive energy. And if you want to go one step deeper, <laughs> you add a battery. And okay. That's the, where I wanted to get. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The estimator tool allows you, you know, to, to toggle a battery in and out, and you can see how that affects it. And what that simply does is that allows you to store up your excess solar energy to help offset even further your expensive hours or to use uh, to, um, you know, power critical loads in the evening or during power outages. You can set them up different ways, but that it just takes and gives you more solar energy, more hours in the day. Well, the other thing this does for you is those time of use plans, those time demand charges uh, occur only on peak. So if you can limit your demand charge, to one or two, because your solar system providing everything you need, you can set your demand meter down at one and a half or two all summer long, ignore the demand charge, it could be next to nothing, and buy 90% or 95, 96, 97% of your power off peak with no demand charge penalty for what you buy on peak, for what little it is. You, right. you it, could really... I'm I, in my head. I'm milking. You're you're this. working. I, I, it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. 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 That's that's exactly the scenario. Very, very interesting. Now, what kind of maintenance would I have to expect for a solar system, Kyle? Mm-hmm. Good question. So they're relatively low maintenance, but it's really important that they are monitored regularly. So the good news is that um, we offer um, some active monitoring plans where we'll monitor it for you. We'll check in and make sure each one of the panels is is operating to its peak efficiency. We'll do that a couple times a week and we'll flag that for you. And, and we offer those services if, if you want to. Some people prefer to monitor their own system, in which case then they just need to make sure that they log in regularly a few times a week and, and when I say log in, there's a there's sometimes an app or there's a um, a web portal that you can log into, and you can make sure that each one of your panels is is producing electricity. And uh, for the most part, that's about it. Just keep your eye on it, um, making sure that you don't have critters moving in. So in some instances, <laughs> birds birds like to nest under solar panels, obviously because they're shady. Um, we usually give people the option, uh, at, you know, during the sales consultation, we'll talk about bird proofing and whether or not that, that is, um, something that, um, they would like to add. 
we can always add it later too if they find that a problem okay. is coming up. But right. but it's really up to them to keep an eye and make sure that no critters are moving in up there. So, you know, monitoring it if they if they choose to do the monitoring on their own and checking in a couple times a week, make sure all the panels are functioning, making sure they're clean, making sure no critters are moving in. Um, um, that's relatively uncommon, but it, it's not unheard of. It does happen out there. Well, who who can't say that 2020 certainly held its share and store of surprises for all of us? And in the world of, of, of real estate and in the, the realm of buying and selling and mortgage funding, we were pleasantly surprised by some of the lowest mortgage rates ever offered since the beginning of time, 30-year mortgages for under 3% interest. That was just one of the surprises that we found in the financing world of home buying and selling in 2020. But I have to tell you, it wasn't all pleasant surprises. The, the, the appreciation was a good surprise, but we were hit with a little regulatory surprise. And here to discuss an, that surprise which we call the the adverse market fee. You're saying, huh? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I said the first time I heard it when I was told about it by Mr. Harold Perkins of the Galaxy Lending Group. We got some we got a big surprise coming up here December first. December <laughs> December first, there is a uh, uh, there is a a refinance fee on conventional loans. It's a half percent of the loan amount. Uh, this is implemented, uh, being charged by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They call it the adverse market fee. Uh, and essentially what's happening with that is, uh, from, uh, due to COVID and a lot of the, a lot of the extra unemployment, unemployment benefits that were paid out uh, a lot of the a lot of the benefits that went to support the economy during covid uh, it's they're going to they're going to get it back on refi fees it's time to pay the piper now and it's Harold, uh, Harold are you telling me all that free money everybody got isn't really free it's not free <laughs> and so and this is one of the this is one of the ways that it's being collected is uh is a half percent of the loan amount so for the average loan amount out there this would equate to about fifteen hundred dollars that gets added to your closing costs uh not charged by the lenders it's uh it's charged on the it's charged on the on the secondary market, this is coming from Fannie and Freddie as their adverse market fee. To access my equity, I've got to pay a fifteen hundred. I'm gonna call it a tax, or you even, call it whatever you want. But to access my equity after December first, I'm gonna to have to pay the federal government a tax of one half percent of wherever I'm loaning. 
Yes. Uh, or That's not even, or special. to reduce your interest rate or to, yeah. or anything you're going to do well, on, on the, on the uh, conventional financing. Now it's, it's not applied on FHA or VA loans uh, or on private loans. Anything that's sold to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac as a refinance will have this. Adverse market fee. It's the adverse market fee. That's cute. Uh, that's going to be a half a percent of your refinanced amount. Uh, that's going to go to restore. You think it's going to go to restore the treasury or are we just going to use it to build up more debt about something else? <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, along those lines and, and part of what's happening. And so it's while there is this additional fee, a part of what's happening that's helped to keep the interest rates so low is that the treasury is purchasing mortgage backed securities to help help stabilize uh, interest rates help stabilize that end of the market, and that's what's helped to keep interest rates lower. And so, again, that money's got to come from somewhere too. Right now, it's right now it's being those mortgage-backed securities are being purchased by the government. Then, when we get into where the money's actually going to go and what's actually, I have I, I have no idea. How did the industry find out about it? Well, uh, we didn't know about it at first either. <laughs> And and so it was a it was a, a Friday night. Uh, I got an email uh, at about seven eight o'clock at night that said, starting tomorrow, uh, the agencies have announced a half percent fee for conventional refinances. And uh, it was, and I don't think it was coincidental that the uh, the announcement came uh, in the evening on a Friday going into the weekend so that try to keep it out of the news and our industry lost its mind. Um, the, <laughs> I mean, how, how do you interrupt a, a mortgage man's weekend sleep more than my saying starting Monday morning, you have to charge another $1,500 fee. And it was immediately effective. It was effective immediately where this starts tomorrow. Uh, fortunately, you know, it's uh, our industry also has a very strong lobby and the, and the lobbyists were able to influence the agencies to delay the start of the, of the adverse market fee. And that, that ended up getting delayed to December 1st. Uh, but from the, from the bank end of it with, with that just being dropped immediately like that, uh, there was, uh, just billions of dollars on the table that, uh, uh, that. Uh, that would have would have just blown things up as far as refinances that were active at the time. Uh, so it was fortunate that the uh, that the lobby was able to able to get that fee delayed. Wow, was this a was this wrapped in somewhere is hidden in the care package or the. No, uh, is this uh, independent legislation that had to go through by itself? No, it's independent. Well, it's uh, it's the FHFA, and so they're they're a little more independent. It's not anything that went through Congress or anything like that. They're uh, they're a pseudo government private agency, and so they can they can just determine that they're going to add the fee. Adverse market fee. 